2: Content warning. Check the show notes for more information. It's June 5th, 1893, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Ariel, Rebecca, and Ollie. The Retrospectors.
1: The rather gruesome playground rhyme inspired by the accused murderess who went on trial today in history in 1893 tells us Lizzie Borden took an axe and gave her mother 40 whacks. When she saw what she had done, she gave her father 41 and just those two lines contain a frankly impressive amount of inaccuracies, starting from whether Lizzie Borden took an axe at all.
0: Yeah, because if there's one thing I hate in a children's rhyme, it's one that doesn't aim for 100% truth. <laughs> we're quibbling a little bit if we're disputing the axe business, because yes, it was a hatchet, but still a sort of axe-like weapon. The, what is also not true is that it wasn't her mother that she killed or allegedly killed but abby who was her 64 year old stepmother and actually fewer than half the blows that the rhyme records actually happened there were 19 that went down on abby and another 10 more on her uh, father andrew but much more importantly than all of that she was acquitted
2: at this trial that happened on this day it's an important fact um, and it had been a long time coming given that there was a huge public frenzy over these murders, which we'll outline in a moment. She was arrested on August the 11th, the prior year, one week after the murders. We're now in June in 1893. The public had already made up their minds, but not in the way that you might expect because of the rhyme and because of the notoriety now. People say Lizzie Borden and they think Axe murderer, if you've heard that name at all. I know some listeners in Britain are not as familiar with this as as this is in America. But at the time, people had made up their mind that even though there are no other suspects in the murder of her father and stepmother, it obviously can't be her because she's a. a- decent Sunday school teacher who's 32 years old and lives at home with her father. She obviously didn't do it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it had been a long time coming in the sense that the trial had been delayed for a long time, but it had also been a long time coming just in terms of how this murder had come about. The tensions in the Borden family, you know, once again assuming that the murders all took place within the family, you know, they had been present for a long time. As you mentioned, she was in her 30s at this time. She had an older sister, Emma, who she was very close to, who was nine years her senior. Their father, Andrew, was a really successful businessman and a very big cheese in Fall River, um, the town in Massachusetts where the family lived. He would have been a multimillionaire in today's money, but there was just something odd about the Bordens. And this sort of plays to what fascinated the public was that they lived relatively modestly despite their wealth. And although Lizzie and her sister Emma were, you know, they were classic Massachusetts spinsters, you know, they were active in church and civic groups. They lived this very public respectable life but at the same time behind closed doors there was just odd stuff going on for instance the house they all lived in was strangely built so that Andrew and Abby's quarters were entirely separated from Lizzie and Emma's and re- apparently they rarely even ate dinner together they didn't really see that much of each other their mother had died when they were children and despite the fact that Lizzie was six when Abby married their father she always referred to her as Mrs Borden
2: yeah never called her mum yeah no or well,
1: not even Aunt Abby you know just Mrs Borden you know the woman who lives in the other part of the house (laughs)
0: Well, the propriety of the family is kind of what made the police at first dismiss the idea that it could have been an internal job. The first port of call was not to arrest one of the people who was actually in the house when the murder took place, but an innocent Portuguese chap who uh, was picked up by police and subsequently let go. But the thing that really started to provoke the suspicions of the police was that during the interrogation, Lizzie's answers began and to just set the cops off a little bit. For one thing, she never cried, and it didn't look good for her either when the officers discovered that Lizzie had actually tried to purchase this deadly prussic acid a day before the murders took place at a nearby pharmacy.
2: Except that was a, a rat poison. It was, actually, it? yeah. So there, there
0: would be a reason
2: why a respectable woman might buy rat poison. And she also had another defence Uh, regarding a bucket full of blood, which was that she was on her period. (laughs) I mean, it seems ridiculous now, but you can understand how working-class police officers in this posh lady's house, if she says, you know, oh, I'm on the rag, are going to just not investigate that any further and feel squeamish and uncomfortable about so doing. So they just completely ignored this really crucial bit of evidence Mm -hmm. as like, oh, she's having her period. Don't worry about that bit. It's just so weird, isn't it, that they couldn't put their prejudices aside to just look at the evidence straightforwardly. I mean, neighbours and passers-by heard nothing. No one saw a suspect enter or leave the Borden property. Mm. Lizzie didn't basically tell anyone or summon anyone when she saw her father's body. I mean, okay, yes, she was traumatised. But when the doctor that she asked the maid to summon was unavailable, she didn't then say, why don't you go and find another one? (laughs) Um, (laughs) And if you look at the order in which they were murdered... The murderer murdered them in sequence. Uh, If you wanted Lizzie to have the money when her father died, then the stepmother needed to die first because it was only by the stepmother being dead that she, Lizzie, would have been able to inherit her father's wealth. It seems a bit of a coincidence that they'd go, therefore, for Abby before they'd go for the man of the house, who you'd think, you know, if you're going to murder someone, you might go for first.
1: Yeah, and I mean, Andrew was both very wealthy and very difficult, and he had plenty of enemies. And actually, the family had been suffering food poisoning the week before, and there was a suspicion that maybe someone was trying to poison him. So, once again, you think if someone was attacking him over a grudge, that they would kill him first. And as it happened, Abby was struck 18 times with the hatchet in the guest bedroom upstairs. And according to Lizzie, she was not there at the time, and her father was also out. At half past ten, shortly afterwards, her father returned, turned and he was let in by the family servant and she would testify that she had to let Andrew in because he was fumbling with his keys and she said she could hear Lizzie laughing at him from the upstairs banister which if true she would have seen her stepmother lying there. she was literally lying in the open doorway with all these axe wounds. Lizzie said later that she wasn't upstairs at all she said that she'd gone to the barn and then she'd come back and that's where she discovered her father who had been bludgeoned to death on the sofa.
0: And in the beginning at the inquest Lizzie was defending herself and it was at this stage that she was was really implicating herself by both her omissions but also contradictory statements. And later that was looked back on by her doctor who said that she was under the influence of very powerful morphine at the time and that may have been the thing that caused her to make these kind of contradictory statements. But it at least didn't look good in this he said she said case with only two people's words standing against one another.
2: Yeah her story kept changing and so then when you get to this trial that started on this day she didn't take the stand but the people who did on her behalf were the very best legal representation she could get Mm. because her father was dead so she'd inherited all his money so she could afford a really good defense which i don't know if that's still an issue that comes up in this sort of crime i suppose it is (laughs) i mean if she was innocent of killing him then it would be really unfair to not let her have her father's money to pay for avenging his death, wouldn't it? But at the same time, like if you think that she did bludgeon him to death with an axe, it's a bit of a sort in the wound to then take his money and pay for the defence to get away mm. with it, isn't it? But yeah. that is, according to most people, really... She did, yeah.
1: I mean, there's a bit of a comparison with the OJ Simpson trial. You know, if the the glove don't fit, you must have quit. The problem wasn't that there wasn't plenty of suggestion that she could have done it and likely did do it, really. But the prosecution were unable to clearly set out a timeline that would tie her definitively to the killings just because there were so many contradictory claims and timings from various witnesses and no hard evidence for any of them. And another big blow to the prosecution the testimony that she'd given at the inquest was ruled inadmissible because she hadn't had her attorney present. So that was another big chunk of evidence that they were unable to draw on. But, you know, the question, I guess, is, did she do it? I mean, it's easy to turn around and say yes, and I think we probably have suggested that she was guilty, (laughs) but... She disliked her stepmother, yes, but she had disliked her since childhood, you know. And there had been disputes for years about finances and, you know, who owned what. But why, age 32, suddenly turn around and kill her? And although she had grown distant from her father as an adult, as a child she'd reportedly been very close to him. So, you know, why suddenly do this and why in such a brutal way?
2: I feel like this is maybe the beginning of the female interest in true crime, I think, Hmm. because it's all about why would a woman do this? And if you look at the people who turned up to the courtroom, most of them were female. To the extent that one local paper at the time, rather tongue in cheek, suggested in its editorial, if you get home this evening to find your wife hasn't made you supper, it's because she's at the trial. Uh, (laughs) It's just this thing of like young women were desperate to go and find out what would cause a woman to do this. Why, why, why? Rather than, but she did do it. (laughs) <laughs> um, let's prove that she did it. I think it's that
1: fact that it was happening in a domestic context that made it so appealing as well. To a lot of women in this era, that that that's kind of behind closed doors, violence or repression would have been a part of their lives. So this story of the this woman who had basically snapped would have been fascinating.
0: In the divvying up of her money after her death, she left various amounts to different people and causes, but she also left $500, which would be $10,000 in today's money, in trust for perpetual care of her father's grave, which either is the act of someone who genuinely did love and care for her father or is a last little claim at sort of innocence on her part. One eye on the history podcasters of the 21st century. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, the Borden Murder House is now a museum and B&B. It's decked out in 1890s period style. Uh, You're saying
2: this with a smile. I was so disgusted so, on her behalf. It's so horrible. It's so
1: American. It's I so don't. That it's a tourist
2: attraction because, of course, it is. Two people were murdered there and it's a historic house by American standards, you know, from the 1890s. I understand why people want to go and look around the house. I even understand why they have the reenactments and the period costumes and all of that. What really rankled me was that you can stay in the room and they call it the murder room and you can pay to be there and sleep there. Oof. And there's like terms and conditions like don't bring a Ouija board. It's just like, oh, that's don't, just, don't, you know, bring a hatchet. horrible, horrible murder. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> And you can? did you see the gift shop on the website? Oh, no. You can buy a Lizzie Borden bobblehead with a bloody axe. Ah!
1: <laughs> you, I mean, just... you can buy the Andrew and Abby Borden bobbleheads with the detachable heads. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Tomorrow.
1: It wasn't even like they came out and said, and we were huge fans of the Nazi regime. I mean, they obviously weren't particularly opposed to it.
2: Love the show? Support the show. Patreon.com slash